Welcome to Inner Paths to Outer Growth. I'm Justin Parkinson, a clinical hypnotherapist and the host of this podcast. In these series, I hope to show you how to grow on the inside and shine greatly on the outside. Thank you for joining today's episode of Inner Paths to Utter Growth. I have a guest named Self-Worth Sam, and his work is absolutely incredible. Sam, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and touch on what you do? Thank you, Justin. Uh, hi, everybody. Self-Worth Sam here. I'm calling myself an imposter syndrome expert, but the ironic thing was that when I decided to become an imposter syndrome expert... I felt like an imposter, so <laughs> go figure, right? Um, I've been teaching for over a decade in many different capacities from children, adolescents, and adults, and now I've moved into professional speaking and, and coaching, and I focus specifically on solving imposter syndrome, and that's a self-doubt, a type of self-doubt that comes along with a a kind of a fear that people will expose you as a fraud or a phony mm. regarding your skill or your intelligence, even though you might be uh, competent or um, despite your evidence of success. Mm -hmm. So people can feel like they cannot internalize their success. They cannot take credit or praise or compliments, even though it's due. So there's this kind of... Uh, I guess it's a self-deception is also involved in imposter syndrome is that you don't really know who you are and you cannot really take uh, credit for the things that you've done. Right. How prominent, and, how prominent do you think this is in the general public? It's very prominent. And the more people I talk to about it and the more I do research, the more people are saying, yeah, I think I go through that or I think I've suffered that or I think I've got a friend who goes through it. And at the at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I actually did a, a, a search on Google Trends for the search term imposter syndrome. And it was had been flat for many years, pretty much flat. And then just before the pandemic, it started to just peak. And it's it's been rising ever since. And I think that's because... A lot of people had a lot of free time and they also lost their jobs. So I think when people have got that kind of time to reflect that the self-doubt can creep in. Mm. And I also think that it just takes a little time for people to realize that there is a name for the thing that they might be experiencing. And it really started in the 1970s with Dr. Um, Pauline Rose Clance and Dr. Suzanne Immers they did the first uh, peer-reviewed study on it. And ever since then, it's been growing in popularity or it's been becoming part of the conversation. Originally, they called it imposter phenomenon and they didn't want to classify it as a, as a syndrome. And it still isn't classified as a syndrome, but that's just how most people understand it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really powerful. It's giving people something tangible to equate to what they're feeling. Sometimes if you can't 
put a name to it or a face to it, it, it tends to elude you and maybe even make it harder to solve. Yeah, well, I think if you have 90% of the problem defined, uh, you're, you only need that extra 10% really to solve it. Mm-hmm. And I think in the past, most people sort of thought to themselves, I feel out of my depth or I don't feel as intelligent as everybody else in the room, or um, do people really think I'm that skillful Hmm. that I deserve my position in my career, or perhaps they've started a business or they, they want to put themselves out there in some way. And many people have been telling them that they've got the skill and that they're ready, but they still feel like they're not good enough or they're not ready. So that's where the self-worth, aspect comes into it as well where do you think this comes from it comes from subordinating to other people's values and putting people on pedestals and minimizing ourselves or minimizing our own value system and thinking that we should try to be other people and live up to what they value and so there's a comparison going on, and and certainly social media has amplified this, especially mm. when we we see somebody on online or on social media, and we we perceive this person in in a one sided light, and it's usually very filtered, right? And absolutely, yeah. So many people believe that one sided story, and it's a they they create a fantasy like that person's life is perfect look how successful they are, look how intelligent and skillful they are, and they forget the other side. First of all, it probably took a long time to get there. And the the other side is that maybe these people also go through things that you just don't see in a photograph or or a reel. Mm -hmm. So the comparison is, is the first place where it begins. And it also comes from not really knowing your own values and orchestrating your life around what truly inspires you and has meaning for you. Absolutely. You know, social media is, is such a powerful thing. It's a tool that we can use to enhance so much, but it's got a flip side where it can cause illusion. I mean, even when I create videos for clients and to educate people, I'm setting up my camera at the right spot. I want to have a nice background and it might look like I just sit down in a chair and put my phone up there and just start speaking. But there's, there's elements of effort and work behind it that social media doesn't give you the full picture. It, it can dilute you or dilute you. Um, yeah, that's, do you think, well, this has been going on for a while. You said even in the 70s, this is pre-social media. Yeah. Do you have an idea of who or what is creating this, this imposter syndrome on people? Well, at the end of the day, I think it's a combination of society and ourselves. So never forget the role that the individual plays. So there's no victims Mm -hmm. and there's a combination of, yeah, we compare ourselves to society and other people. That's I think 
been going on since time immemorial, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's human nature to compare to other people. And in a way, comparing can be a strength if done in the right way. Like you can compare yourself to someone that you look up to and can be inspired by them. And that's great. You might want to, you know, work on your life and develop yourself, but it's when it becomes an infatuation that there's a problem in the sense you go, I could never be like that person. Mm-hmm. But comparing can be um, a positive thing in the sense that you you look up to people. And again, I think it really comes down to people have not been educated or told that they have a hierarchy of values that is a, a list of priorities from what, what is most important to least important like inside all the time. And that's how they filter the world. And that's what they're listening for is for things that help them fulfill their highest values. Right. And so people haven't really been educated by that. They, I think we have this society, especially in Canada and Australia is that you, there's a lot of authorities out there, teachers, Mm. parents, um, the media and finding our own inner authority has not really been a topic that has been talked about in the last 50, 100 years, especially not in in the circles that I go in, in education. And it's only recently that education is starting to build this idea of um, social and emotional intelligence, which is fantastic Mm -hmm. because it gives people the chance to develop self-reflection and to really hone in and find out who are they and what is important to them and what would they like to do with their lives? So I think, uh, yeah, imposter syndrome has been around for a while and it's, I think because of education that people are starting to put a name to it and say, okay, there's something we can do about this. That's great. I, some of the practices that I do, I, I believe they should be taught in school. And that's kind of exactly what you're talking about. These things to become self-aware. And yeah. And, and you're, you're a hypnotherapist, right? Yes. So it, you imagine if you could just teach three principles from hypnotherapy to a classroom of young people in school, and they got this all along as a tool to help them with their studies and with their emotional, social intelligence, the impact that that could make just would be incredible just from, just from one or two principles. So I I can see that definitely happening more and more. Yes. I find there's a lot of crossover between what you do and what I do. Yours is quite directed at this phenomena as they were putting it. I look at it as, uh, more of an overall effect, not just for imposter syndrome, but generally improving your life altogether. And if people are able to overcome imposter syndrome, I mean, imagine how much their their life can grow, right? Yeah. So the, the training that I've received in, in addition to a degree in philosophy and my teaching uh, qualifications more recently, I was trained in the Martini method, which is the method I, that I use with my clients to neutralize emotions, to balance perceptions and have epiphanies and aha moments. Mm. And it's interesting 
only a handful of people come to me specifically with imposter syndrome saying, I, I know I suffer from it. The majority of my clients come to me with a range of very specific um, problems or emotional hangups, which center around a lack of self-worth. Hmm. So imposter syndrome does come along, but um, I think the real core of it is that many people don't feel that they are, or they don't have enough self-worth. Right. And therefore they, they procrastinate in life. They hold back. They don't go for the job interviews that they probably could go for. Mm -hmm. They don't speak up in meetings. Uh, you know, they don't put themselves out there. So I think when people have clarified their values and have defined or at least drafted what would be a really inspiring life for them and they start to do something about it, that's when the self-worth will go up or at least their awareness of their self-worth will go up and they'll realize, wow, I actually had a lot of value the whole time. Mm -hmm. I just didn't recognize it because I was subordinating myself to somebody else's um, priorities and value systems. And is this something that you've had to overcome yourself? Yes. When I started my first small business, you might laugh, but I, I wanted to become a professional human beatboxer. Cool. Yeah. And this is something that I can do really well. And many people told me at the time, this is like 2000 and 2006, 2007, when I, I pretty much just finished university around then. And I was like, I, I want to do some motivational speaking work in schools for young people. And, and I'm going to use human beatboxing as the, as the hook, as the, the entertainment uh -huh. factor. I'll give you a little demo right now. Here's some, I don't know if you like uh, hip hop or drum and bass or house. Oh, do, do, all do, three. What, do what's coming to you right now, what you're feeling. All right. I, I love drum and bass. So it's going to okay. be like. Wow. I don't know if that was picked up with the yeah, microphone. Yeah, I, I got that. That was actually, that's great. That's cool. Or more like a, a, a slow down version would be like. Wow. And I, I taught myself how to do it and it's a, a fun thing to do. And imposter syndrome first appeared for me when I wanted to put myself out there uh, in, a, in a business format and, and get paid to do something that I thought was quite novel and that I didn't think people would value and they would kind of ridicule me for asking people to pay me to do something that I loved mm -hmm. and that I was good at. So that's when the imposter syndrome first appeared for me. And so I tried to desensitize myself by joining a public speaking club. And I thought if I just put myself into the most vulnerable situations I can, which I thought public speaking would be the most vulnerable situation, right. you know, most people can agree that speaking in front of people is scary as hell. Um, I so I did that for about two years and I, it kind of worked, kind of desensitized myself to my insecurities, but I really wanted to find an, the authentic confidence. And I, I really wanted to feel confident in front of people doing what I loved. And when I learned to make it about the audience and to serve people and to um, ignore myself in a way, 
that's when I really learned that uh, imposter syndrome has a kind of narcissistic side to it where you're a bit too self-absorbed, not in the sense of narcissistic toxicity, like where you, you purposely try to harm other people mm -hmm. and you, you are self-absorbed, but a kind of self-deception, self-absorbed uh, in your own thoughts. And if you experience imposter syndrome, it also comes with things like trying to be perfect or uh, having indecision, these kinds of you know self doubts and things. So I went all, I went through all of these things, and then when I decided to become an imposter syndrome expert, again, I was looking at books on Amazon that had been written by psychologists who had PhD at the end mm. of their name, and just thought, oh my gosh, I'm not as good as these people. Um, I'm not allowed to put myself out there and educate people about this topic that I'm now passionate about. And fortunately, I had enough experience at the time to say, wait a second, this is this is not a bad thing that I'm experiencing it again. Actually, it's a, it's a fantastic thing because now I'm even more relatable to, uh, to my audience. I can really relate to what they're going through and say, yeah, I know firsthand what it's like to go through this and here's what I do to solve it, which is now what I'm able to do with the Martini method in about 90 minutes. Mm. Do you still like, use your beatboxing uh, during speeches you know what? and stuff? I, I beatbox every single day uh, when when requested. Um, <laughs> if I'm walking to the store, I'll do it. You know, some people whistle, some people sing. I beatbox, so I love doing it. That's awesome. I mean, that, you know, really embracing your your passions. That's, that's great. And imposter syndrome could have easily have just squashed that. That could have disappeared out of your life through criticism yeah. not just from others but yourself mostly from myself saying no oh, i'm not ready i need more training or i need there was a vague um illusions of what i thought i needed whereas what i really needed was to focus on my highest value which is educating and serving other people absolutely love teaching people that's my background and that's what I do now. So when imposter syndrome comes up for me, I remind myself, what's my highest priority, my highest love, inspiration, and it dissolves imposter syndrome. It's like there's our mind can sometimes get stuck in the amygdala, a flight and fight response, mm -hmm. which basically makes us see the world as either there's something we need to run from uh, because it's trying to get us or we need to run towards something and get it before it gets us. So that's brain chemistry. But when we reflect and have the ability to say, okay, what's truly important to me, what's really of value to me and how can I contribute to the world? The blood and the glucose goes from our amygdala into the prefrontal cortex and activates the executive centers which allows us to see more options mm. literally because there are more neurons in, in the prefrontal cortex. We see that there's more options and different ways to respond rather than react to a situation. So in my case, when I was feeling like an imposter, just a few years ago, when I started to do this, I was able to say, okay, what's the highest values? Okay. What's the options now that I'm, I'm sort of chunking up my thoughts and not just accepting, 
I have to either run or hide or try and attack someone, which is that survival mentality. Right. You mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, that when it comes back up now is imposter syndrome something that you can get rid of or is it with us forever no you definitely can get rid of it and i've been able to do this using the demartini method and for myself it's completely gone and it is if anything it has transformed it in the sense that i give it a different name so Imposter syndrome is just a label mm -hmm. for a particular part of the mind, which is actually an incredible strength and ally. And so people might've heard of the inner critical voice or the inner critic. I think that's more common to know that voice inside our head that criticizes us and it's, it's ourselves. So I gave that part of me a new job title mm. and a new job description of inner genius. Nice. So when that voice comes up, I say, oh, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate your feedback. So if I, if I have a voice inside my head that says, oh, you screwed that up or you idiot or you criticizes me in some way, I realize that that part of myself is coming from a place of trying to develop me. And it's also got a a strange sense of humor that it's like a best friend that like digs at you and says, Hey idiot, you know? So I have learned to build the relationship with that part of myself that in the past was, I would take it as, you know, offensive. Right. Now I see it as there's this part of my mind that really wants to grow. And it's like a, a revolutionary who purposely um, criticizes everything that the, the leader of a country does to keep the leader on their toes, right? keep them sharp. So I've learned to appreciate that part of myself and say, thank you. It sounds like you're working with it as opposed to it just being there and telling you what to do. You know, you're participating with it. You're, you're making it a part of who you are rather than it just being, you know, this thorn in your foot. You're taking advantage of the tools that you have. Yeah, and if you think about this concept that there is nothing ever missing, think about this for a moment. So in human psychology, nothing is ever missing. And in the natural world, nothing is ever missing. There's always a balance. So on a large scale, when a sun is shining in the sky, it's this nice big ball of helium and hydrogen. That's one uh, form of, of its energy. Now that sun can explode and turn into stardust and, and change and create planets billions of years later. It's the same energy, but in a different form. So in, in the sense that energy is never missing, the same thing goes for human psychology. So imposter syndrome is one form of the energy and it can be transformed literally into another form. In the case that I explained before, I turned it into my inner genius. So that part of me, I didn't fix any part of myself. So I'm, I want to encourage people to, re to remember, you don't need fixing. But what you can do is transform parts of yourself. So you, you cultivate the energy in another way, mm -hmm. so that you can love and appreciate all aspects of yourself, rather than trying to delete parts of yourself. 
because I, I believe at the end of the day, everybody wants to be loved and appreciated for who they are. And that includes the the positive and negative aspects. Yes. I share with my clients all the time that we have everything we need to heal ourselves. We don't need anything extra. It's already there. And I love how you mentioned the parts of us and the adjustments. That's actually a big part of the therapy that I do. It's literally called parts therapy. And there are different parts of us, like you said. And sometimes in my line of work, there are parts that are unloving and just need to go. But the most of the time, these parts just need adjustment, like you said. And it's really cool that you renamed it because I've had clients that have a part and it's called anger or Anthony. They name it whatever their subconscious needs to. Yeah. And as we finish the session and this part has evolved or changed or it, they've learned how to integrate it into the light, into their life, how they want it, the name changes. It becomes beauty, strength, wisdom. And I find that so incredible how you've essentially done that. You've done the work and you've made those recognitions. That's, that's so powerful. I'm, I appreciate that you shared your experience with me in that. You're welcome. How, how can people recognize if they're experiencing uh, imposter syndrome? If a person feels out of their depth or they feel that they are not confident in front of their clients or they're not confident in front of their team um, or if they're doubting themselves despite having a track record of competency, then that's the definition of imposter syndrome. Is that they feel like they're a fraud and that they don't really belong in the room or they don't really belong in the position that they've been given by the hiring manager. And it can also be for someone who is at university who's just become an undergraduate or somebody who's going for their PhD candidacy or someone who even has their PhD. A lot of academics go through it is they feel that they are not really intelligent and that they don't really know their stuff, even though they've got literally years of research track record. And if they are starting to overthink and trying to find a way out, then that's like alarm bells for, um, yeah, you, you're probably going through imposter syndrome mm. or Is... imposter, imposter phenomenon. Right. Is there a group of people that are more susceptible to it or is it just a universal thing? There was a peer-reviewed journal put out, I think by Frontiers of Psychology um, just in the last couple of years and it researched or it reviewed about 60 other peer-reviewed articles from the last 30 years, 30 or 40 years. And it, it mentioned... Well, it talked about who are the people that most likely uh, to experience this. And in general, it's almost everyone across the board can have it at some point, regardless of their sex, gender, uh, their background, religion, creed. It Imposter syndrome doesn't discriminate. 
what the uh, researchers found in this this review of the literature was that it really came down to the selection criteria of the researchers. So if you if you selected university students, it's going to be skewed in a certain way. Mm-hmm. If you went to somewhere, say, um, let's go to, uh, who was I talking to yesterday? Someone from Charlottesville in America. And there's going to be people who say, well, what about students of color? It's like, yes, definitely students of color and minorities or underrepresented people certainly go through it and they have their own uh, let us say reasons for why it's come up for them. Mm-hmm. And then there's, if you look specifically at women or you look specifically at men, there's, you know, a few things that can be a little bit different, but in general, it's affects people all across the board. We're all right. human at the end of the day. And we all, like I said, we all want to be loved and appreciated for who we are. So imposter syndrome, that's the kind of, the, the conditions is that you want to be loved and therefore you have this aspect of, am I good enough? Am I deserving of love? So I think on a really deep level, that's probably what's going on. So it doesn't matter about the circumstances or demographic. You mentioned that it, it part of the effect is about your worth, your self-worth. What are things that people can do to recognize their self-worth the number one thing that they can do is to clarify their highest values the top three most important things to them that they would that they are doing with their life but they perhaps are not recognizing and saying hey yeah that's that's where i I love doing that that's my value that's my passion and that top three top five list requires a bit of refinement over time and reflection. It is easier to look at the facts of your life and go, okay, what do I do with my time? How do I spend my money? How do I fill my space? What topics do I like to talk about most? Where do I spend my energy? So those facts, if you look into your life, will indicate at your value system. Because we always seem to have time and money for the things that we really value. And we don't have time and space and energy for the things that we don't really value. So you just look at the facts and you can, you'll get a, a really good snapshot of what is of importance to you. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing that people can do is to clarify that and then orchestrate your life around those values. And that means daily tasks that help you to fulfill those values. And at the end of the day, you can check off a few of those activities and say, yeah, I did something that helped me fulfill my values. And that is going to raise self-worth. That's great. I usually have a question that I ask my guests at the end, but before we get to that question, is there anything that you wanted to share about imposter syndrome that whether it's overcoming it or recognizing that stands out for you? Yeah. An individual who is living out of alignment with their values is an imposter. A person who is living in alignment with their values is authentic. So basic, but a person who's authentic is objective. Yeah. Object objectivity, authenticity, confidence, a grounded, humble, 
gratitude for life and yourself. That's the kind of authenticity I'm talking about. The self-worth that I'm talking about is a very grounded, appreciative, grateful, loving uh, state of mind and, and an open heart. And so my question is, if you were out in public having a bite to eat with a friend or public cafeteria and people were overhearing what you were saying, what would you want them to hear? That exact same thing that I just told you then. Okay. Perfect. I, I love that phrase. This, this, uh, this phrase I got from Dr. John D. Martini and I'll say it again because I think it's it's an incredible gem. An individual who is living out of alignment with their values is an imposter. And a person who is living in alignment with their values is authentic. And when we're authentic, we are fully conscious. Our being expands. We, we wake up inspired about our day. We want to contribute to the lives of other people. And I think that's what makes the world go around authenticity is incredible it's amazing what you attract and you can achieve when you're authentic i know it makes me feel like there's a lot less weight on my shoulders when i'm authentic and when you are authentic and you start to really value what's inspiring to you that's when synchronicity mm. is more likely to occur synchronicity means a falling together in time it's when a moment is meaningful for the people involved. And normally it can be felt to be a bit uncanny or a coincidence. But my belief is there is no such thing as coincidence. There is synchronicity. That is what is true. Mm -hmm. And when you are present and authentic, you will start to see more and more uh, synchronistic signposts to say you're on a great track and everything is on the way, not in the way. I really appreciate your time here and I'm sure a lot of people will be able to take away information that you've given. If anyone wants to connect with you or there's anything that you want to share that you are putting out there right now. Yeah, sure. So if people want my free online video course, uh, they can go to selfworthsam.com. It's called Breaking the Cycle of Imposter Syndrome. It's a five-day plan to ditch the doubt and to embrace your expertise, selfworthsam.com, and they can just start accessing. It's a, a five-part video, and it will give them a, a deeper appreciation for what we've been talking about, and it's got a lot of practical tools in there in addition to what we've been talking about today. Thank you so much for joining us today. Justin, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. You've just listened to the interview with Self Worth Sam. He was an incredible guest, and if you'd like to find out any more of his information, you can also check out the show notes. All of his links will be down there. Thank you again for joining Inner Paths to Outer Growth, and never forget to smile.